to be real, has everyone had a chance to process that our church is closing? So Wait, what? Oh, is it a surprise to you? Oh, Santa Claus isn't real. Um, <laughs> yes, I think I processed it early. <laughs> like how long ago? Like I checked out pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and I, I soon say checked out. I was engaged, right? Uh-huh. Um, engaged in the conversations, um, making sure that our family as a church family is moving in the right direction, right? So my family and the church family. So I've been engaged in those, but I think it was kind of um, feeling leading up to announcement that the pastor is leaving. And then within a week, it was this church is probably disbanded. Um, and so I think I've had more time to process it because uh, I kind of made that decision early. Um, and it, and I probably alluded to it before. It's because I'm a realist in the finances and the congregation and all that stuff really isn't there from a a business perspective um and then i think multiple of us have said it we were there and followed there because of the pastor and if that's your reason for going to the church then why would you think the church stands when the pastor leaves like that doesn't quite make sense you know um and i think it's only a few recent people who have joined our church who said yeah we're here for the family (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, the rest of us here, we're here for the pastor <laughs> and each other, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it was kind of the pastor first. And I, I think, um, I think that's when I kind of put the nail in the coffin mm-hmm. is when I realized that that's why a lot of us made these decisions and drove 30 minutes to church on Sundays and mm-hmm. um, things like that. And so, yeah, processing wise, it, it's been there. Um, I think the next step, though, is finding a solution for me and the family. And I haven't done a good job processing that. Okay. The next steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Stephen. <laughs> good throw. Good toss. I must admit I didn't process it as early as Nick. Um, I was taken by surprise that Thursday however many weeks ago it was, it it basically, I think the word blindside comes to mind. I, I didn't see it coming. And it's not the first time that something has happened in a church that I'm attending that I've just not hurt, but just blindsided. I didn't see it coming. And um, so I, I think the the biggest, I don't know if regret is the right word, but the fact that we didn't have a lot of time to really put a plan into action, to come up with a plan, and we had these uh, options that we had available. The first things that pop into your mind, um, yeah, okay, we've got those, but didn't really have much time to put anything into action as far as if we wanted to continue, do we? how do we go about looking for a new person to lead? to be a shepherd, to to guide us through this period of Vintage's life while we perhaps are like Moses in the desert, you know, we're, we would be in the desert and who's going to actually lead us to the promised land, uh, whether it's going to be somebody, an intermediate person who leads us there or maybe it's it would be that person who ultimately got us across the Jordan or whatever to figuratively speak again. Um, Unfortunately, we did not have that time. And I think that's what probably hastened the demise of vintage without a doubt. It did in my mind. Um, And we just, in spite of us having a lot of smart people, a lot of people who have good relationships with God, um, just there wasn't, much time to find guidance. Um, Can I make a couple comments there? Uh, So I guess I'll start with the second half. I think we do take for granted that we have more time than a lot of churches in this situation. A lot of churches find out their pastor leaves on the Sunday he leaves. 
Um, so, so I am grateful for that, but I understand that it feels like a short amount of time for all of us still, right? Because um, it's not like we have a church organization or set of pastors or um, people like that who can help make a quick decision or who are prepared for that, right? Um, typically, there's a, a lead pastor and then there's the sub-pastor and then the, and then the children's director. Um, who step up in that role and help guide you to at least another step, right? Buy you some time, um, and then you're not paying rent on your building at the same time. Um, so, so those are all factors that make this relatively long time for other churches feel like a much shorter time. Um, and then back to the first thing you said, do you know why you... Um, any thoughts as to why the blindsidedness happened in this situation and the last one you came about? Um, well, in this one, I know that we had heard numerous times where um, Joe had, the reason he came out here is he, he felt called and um, Tucson was the place that he felt God was moving his family to. So, um I guess it was kind of naive on my part to think that it was a final destination as opposed to a step on the journey. Um, but the fact that he was embedded fairly well into um, Ironwood Ridge as a teacher, into the um, caring ministries, into the refugee, uh, Tucson Refugees Organization, um, I, I thought he, he the roots were fairly deep um, so I I guess complacent is probably uh, an appropriate term is what I felt as far as I we were going to be around for a while I think I'm jealous of that by the way um, that that you were blindsided right because I think it's probably a a bad thing that that my wife and I were both like oh my gosh what's happening Oh, something happened. Oh, this is different. He's acting weird. He must be leaving. Right? I, I think it's probably bad that that our our minds go there. And that might be the millennial, right? That might be the millennial taking over where um, you're constantly on edge watching, you know, thinking that everybody's going to leave you, right? <laughs> um, so that could be uh, where that comes from, right? So, so I'm a little bit like, you know, I kind of wish I maybe I should have been more confident in that building and in that family surviving right but we're both in the same boat right. now at so at the <laughs> same, yeah right so at the same time right we're all here so that's an do you know like so when everybody at my work found mm -hmm. out that my pastor was leaving everybody everybody said whose wife did he bang that is what the negative perception and the negative connotation that pastors have when they move right and i've been a part of two churches where the pastor has left. So 50%, yeah, that totally rang true because the first pastor in Bullhead that ended up dipping out went to become a uh, Texas uh, Highway Patrol officer was, uh, uh, like, cheated on his wife and everything. You know what I mean? And, and so it was like, oh, I'm really mad that the guy, everybody, said that, but it's like, oh, 50%, that was real, that was true. <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? It was 100% so until could recently. We just take <laughs> yeah, could we just take <laughs> an appreciation that that Joe did leave this way yeah. and not in the oh, middle yeah. of the night, tail between his legs, disappear? Oh, that, that first pastor, by the way, he decided to give us uh, his Sunday sermon about what it is to be a man. That is what it was titled. And this whole time I'm sitting here thinking— you think God I haven't to him? I haven't heard him mention the Bible once <laughs> this message <laughs> and like I keep looking at my dad like something's up and my dad's looking at me like I know fool something's up <laughs> like yeah and then I was just like oh dad I have so many questions and he's like we'll talk about it and then yeah um that afternoon like his wife calls my mom and is like, oh, just found out my husband's cheating on me and blah, blah, and they're moving to Texas and they're like, he had this whole thing going on. But yeah, 50% of the pastors that have left churches that I've been at, 
I've left for infidelity. But going I think back that to that blindside number one, that was <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's, uh, man, is that the most common reason why, like, what, what takes a pastor down is infidelity or what? I wonder if they run stats on that. I would imagine it probably ranks in the top three. Okay. I, I think that burnout probably, um, and I think that actually is probably going to be a larger percentage moving forward because when we talk about the different generations, you're going to have a generation, well, generationally, um, a millennial preacher is probably going to have a lot of anguish and uh, <laughs> trying to deal with Gen Z and whatever the next generations are. Um, I don't like calling them Gen Z. I like microwave generation because everything has to happen right now. But, uh, and, and um, I, I think that it's going to be a lot harder to capture, not capture is a bad word, um, to help or shepherd and grow churches, grow relationships moving forward. I, I, I see relationships being a lot harder in the next 10 years, 20 years. Um, people are, I mean, they're, they have their phones in front of them or the computers, and they, they don't really have relationships like, we used to like you see your parents had um, th they didn't uh, text their neighbors across the street they went over and talked to the across the street or they hung out in the garage or they they did that type of thing and that's where I do kind of feel like the pastors in the future uh, are gonna have to change some tactics and to start really focusing on not just like we're talking spiritual warfare but also like almost like psychological warfare, meaning the anxiety is off the charts, depression is off the charts, suicide is off the charts. You know what I mean? I feel, what are you making a face? What do you got? No, Nick, I mean, Nick did something and stat static in all of our ears now. Oh, I heard the phone on the microphone, which picked it up on the wire. But don't do that. It's a mag There's magnets in there. Dude. I thought these were shielded, but I don't know. It's okay. I think, okay, um, before I get to my my little spiel, but um, churches did try to do that. I mean, especially, I mean, I don't know if Nick wants to speak on this too, but they did try. They were relevant churches trying to preach to the younger kids, trying to be hip, trying to be cool. Churches became a little more liberal and a little more, you know, just like all-inclusive almost. Um, which, I mean, all-inclusive isn't a bad thing, but there are standards, there are rules, guidelines, according to scripture that we all need to follow. Um, take, it, take it as it is, but, um, you know, I think churches need to stand stand their ground at some point and be like this is who this is who we are you know even you know even brought up hey like this is who we are take it take it or leave it you know he's like hey okay i'd probably bloop out the name by now but i'm just saying you know talking to a couple and saying hey you know, this church might not be for you. You know. I think churches do need to take a stand and not... You have to... And I'm not saying... I'd say one, I'd say one thing that churches haven't done, at least the ones that I have followed, is this the social media presence isn't really there. Like, our church our social media presence is non-existent. And to reach those younger generations, that's how you're going to get people. Dennis, we're starting a TikTok. 
We're going to revitalize this thing. You and me, 140 buddy. characters at you a really time. <laughs> we're going to change the world. We're going to revitalize China. Let's be clear here. You know, I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, stick to your standards, but there's, other, there's outlets out there that kids are glued to. And to mm-hmm. Dennis's Adapt. point, yeah, like, kids are glued to their phones. To get Christ through to them via social media or whatever... And that's why I said it was really important for Vintage to be out there, you know. Um, it's because these younger kids, that's, that's, all they're looking, that's all they're looking at. And if a church just pops up, maybe they'll click, click on it. You know, I had a realization in my testimony, you know, and if I was scrolling through YouTube and, hey, a church popped up, you know, I might click on you know, I might click on it. You know, I think that's that's where churches have to go. I don't think, but going to my previous point, churches should not cater to what the new generation thinks is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I, know. And so there's uh, there's a specific church that Stephen is talking about. I think that we both um, attended for a minute, and. Um, it's really important to adapt to the generation around us. Uh, but also, like he's mentioned multiple times, stick to your guns, right? So this church had a big motto of coexist. And I think they meant um, coexist in a way where we will accept all religions and sexual preferences and all that. And we'll try and form you to God and and form you into the way you should be, right? If you are a God-fearing person. Um, And so I think that's the goal. But it's such a fine line to say, hey, coexist. If you're gay, come on in, right? But then you run into two problems. Either you start to think, yeah, we can have a bunch of gays, right? that's, That's fine for our church. Or you lie, (laughs) right? Or you tell them, hey, I know I told you it's fine to be gay, but just kidding. And both of those things are not healthy for your church, right? Well, it was interesting. Vegas, we did a outreach, just public outreach. So we we set up like a second stage. And so we brought, it was open to any musical talent. You could just bring it in. And so we had kids doing like the EDC and we had kids on guitars and we had like small bands. We had... And I'm sure for 90% of these groups, it was the first time they were ever given actual stage time with an audience. You know what I mean? And so, like, it was the first time they were playing outside of their home or something. And so um, we had, like, our our worship leader. um, He did an acoustic set, and then he did, like, a a live and the electric set and, like, the full band and everything. And so, I mean, just amazingly talented guy. And it was his passion. He set it all up, you know? And... So we're there doing like a, I mean, it was an outreach and it was witnessing and it was, of course, it brought in some girls that decided to like sit on each other's laps, smooch a little and like, you know what I mean? And it was like, there, it's like, hey, this is still a church. (laughs) You're still welcome here, but you need to like cut the PDA out because like we don't allow PDA for anyone. So... Why do you think you get a special exemption for it? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, you're still welcome here, but we still hold you <laughs> to the exact same standards that we would as anyone else. Like, dude, you, you, you can't be sitting on each other's laps smooching. Like, it's not. And we had an elder's wife go ballistic on us, right? And it was, but I mean, we were all just kind of smiling because we're like, mm, yeah, sounds like, sounds like she needs Jesus, huh? Like, it's cool that we got her in a church, though. Yeah, yeah you, <laughs> like, you should accept. I don't know. Yeah. And love these people, yeah. right? And, and that's the important part of that message and that adaptability is that you're going to probably have to accept and love more of those people than maybe you did before. Um, but when your church starts to become that um, is, is when it becomes a, a weird issue. Actually, that same church, I remember very distinctly once um, invited... Um, a 
a local atheist group to the church. Um, and I actually thought it was pretty cool because we're sitting in the middle of the church. He goes, hey, I just want to remind everybody, there's a group of atheists in the back. At the end of church, we're going to have a meal and ask them questions. You know, And so I, th- I thought that was kind of cool, right? Going out and realizing that there are other beliefs out there and bringing them in so we could learn from them. Obviously, the church wasn't like, if you're atheist, you can come here too. It was more of a invitational thing. And maybe I think that's how we should handle it, right? Go love those people. Go learn from those people. And that will guide your discussion better, right? Um, but once it becomes like, yeah, here's our atheist who attends every week. And we love atheists. Like, we're atheists too. You know, like that. that's when it starts to become a problem. Interesting enough, that church now um, is not in that building, but they do like burlesque shows in that building. So that's an interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> so, but if I could take it back to my original thing, though, is with the pastors, do you think that, well, even people in Indian ministry and people in the church, when you're trying to counsel someone, do you think that they're going to have to have a different set of skills in order to help people with those, like the anxiety and depression. And cause I mean, it's one thing if someone just comes to you, Hey, I'm having a rough day at work. Oh man. Like blah, blah, whatever. But it's another thing like, uh, Hey, I need marriage counseling. Okay. Like that's something that we're, we're set up for. Right. But then when it says, Hey, I'm battling depression. You know what I mean? Do you think I, that I think a pastor, how many pastors, right now do you think are equipped to handle something like that i think joe is i think i think he's equipped to do to do that what really impressed me was joe just kidding we we kicked him out kicked him out of the state yeah i know uh he's a he, he was welcome around here he was a local uh wrestling coach (laughs) at a local high school in Northwest Tucson. He was also the pastor of Vintage Church, which I attended. <laughs> you know you know that, who Joe is now? That was intimidating. Yeah. No. Jo- so, oh, but that jo- oh, no. that Joe. That Joe, <laughs> yeah. No, but you know what? Because it was, I don't know, it was a few few months ago. I don't know when it was, but we did talk a little bit about depression and all of that and to have a pastor be like yes that stuff is real it happens in the bible all the time you see it all the time in the bible um that stuff is real whether it's now or back then i think pastors should know that hey people can get people can get depressed especially now with the newer generation with uh, mental illness being in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nick and I follow sports, you know, like to a T, and mental illness is has leaked into that now. You know, um, it is a serious, it is a serious thing. Is that mental illness or CTE? Because. Well, no, it's you got a little both. of both. I mean, yeah, some CTE, but a lot of mental illness. It's okay. a, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of mental mental illness but i th- i do think too i mean pastors now need to have be equipped to deal with that mm-hmm. um because even pat like even like um associate pastors that i know um have dealt with depression and they had to step down because it it got too deep and for us as christians we need to understand how to deal with that in a spiritual in a spiritual realm and how to get how to get out of it and how to help these people um it is it is a new it is something new that churches should at least tackle you know um a pastor has to tackle that stuff um especially like i'm not gonna go to joe and be like hey i need marriage counseling or you know, I'm a single man, like, I, you know, I, the second part, yeah, I know, but, you know, I'm not gonna, like, if he's only, if he only knows how to do that, if he only knows how to deal with, like, me being single and having certain issues, stuff like that, you know, 
and not be able to be like, hey, like, I'm feeling depressed, right? I'm feeling depressed right now, you know? I'm still really close to God, but I don't know what to do, you know? They have to, they have to know, at least try to help in that biblical sense, you know? And going back to the new generation, I mean, you have to, you have to. I was going to say, I, I agree to a point, um, and that is that I think that, um, to a point, um, in that the pastor, if we put it all on the pastor's shoulders to do that, then, yeah, we're just, I think there's too much for one person to they, handle. They run, so out, they run, run out of town. Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, the the church, the body, has responsibility to look after their own. And if somebody has the talent to do that, then that could be part of their ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, But I think you brought up a point that the pastor should be versed in some of the basics or maybe a lot of the basics. And that absolutely is true. And I think a lot of them are fairly well equipped already to do that. I will say one thing that doesn't work on today's generation is the old school pastor's way of handling depression, which is, yeah, you've got the devil in you, (laughs) right? Deal deal (laughs) with it. Um, You've got to pray that away, right? And while I do think that that depression and anxiety is a tool used by Satan, right? I I think it very much is a tool um, and it's effective. (laughs) It's probably the most effective one I've seen besides sexual things. Um, I don't think a pastor being like, you got too much devil, right? Or, or you gotta, and realistically 30 years ago, if you said, Hey, I'm depressed, it was because you, you had, too much devil, right? The Satan was in you. Time for an exorcism. Right. It, it really was. Like, that was how depression was handled. 30 years ago? Or ha- honestly, though, how long ago? For I mean, Late 90s, honestly. Uh, was it Linda Blair? Wasn't that 70s? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> maybe around 70s. Yeah, though. but even okay. after that, I think that's really how, how depression was viewed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't viewed as any sort of physical disease. It was always viewed as sin inside you sort of deal okay right um and so nowadays that won't work if, if you tell a gen z or a millennial that you got too much satan they're gonna be like okay i'm going somewhere else yeah. <laughs> right like no matter what even if that is the case um so i think that's one way that a pastor would need to be versed in handling that is because you can't just say that's that's the problem and one thing that i think is a little different than 30 years or so ago um people are much more willing to admit that they do have these kind of issues among them. And so that it's, it's no longer the exception. It's actually the rule that the exception is the people who are totally okay without lying. (laughs) (laughs) Not the ones who just say they're okay. So you've brought up though, with like targeting the younger generation and putting it on screens and in front of them, and everything like I I don't feel I don't know personally I don't feel like that that's the best way to approach like with the gospel because I mean it was always beaten into us it's like do you guys remember like all the little dumb little acronyms that they had but it was like I could think of one that was like spread like fire you you be friendly you be uh in what was the I interpersonal or something i don't know it was just like you and then like the r is relational and then what was the e it was engaging or something you know what i mean and then so you complete all that so it was like get to know the person and then learn about them find common ground speak to them you know what i mean and it was very it was personal and then it was relational and then it was engaged them like with jesus to where you know what i mean you went through like a get to know you period and then it was to to reach out to say hey 
you know, in a conversation with a coworker after you've known him for a while, it's, hey, well, I don't know, where do you think you go when you die? And then you listen. You know what I mean? And actually listen, because, I mean, if you care about that person, then listen. And it's that engaging with them, you know, so that you do get the options to say, well, I mean, the Bible says or Jesus and, you know, but um, I mean, Eddie's really good at engaging every single person he ever meets (laughs) uh, in like the most uh, charismatic and casual way that I've ever seen. Like, um, I'll tell a secret of his, right? When he goes to um, the uh, grocery store, what's that one? Vaughn's? No. Um, uh, Fries, right? So when he goes to Fries, he goes to the same cashier, and he's been going to the same cashier for like five, ten years. (laughs) You know what I mean? To where, like, he knows everything about her. She knows everything about him. And, like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, but he's intentional about doing that. You know, so I do think that because I was having this conversation with Ashley a little bit that we value like um, knowledge more than wisdom or we like I don't think that we value like we value our personal experiences. Who's the the we in that? Is that you and Ashley or we Um, generation? We uh, we culture. Culture. Okay. Culture. Yeah. Because it's like, man, we have these phones in our pockets, and we could Google the world, right? And we could learn anything and everything we want to. So I would say, yes, you could be on YouTube scrolling through and find a church and, and check out a message, mm-hmm. right? But, yeah. But. Okay, so. I don't know. Not an argument. It's just a conversation, but. You know, making Wait, that wha- no, Time like making. Why no, do you think this is going to be an argument? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm Explain just saying. That one I'm just first. saying this gen. Jane, you ignorant slut. I'm just saying this generation works different. It it works different. A lot of the kids now they're introverts. Mm-hmm. They don't want. They don't want to go out. They don't want to do anything. Don't want to converse with people. Okay. Don't want to know a person. Yeah, I would say I agree with that. You know. Yeah. So sometimes the only thing that we can do as Christians, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I want to know if I didn't know Dennis, I want to know Dennis mm-hmm. and converse with him and understand who he is before I'm like, hey, what happens when we die? You know, and, you know, I've had a lot of campus ministries just like skip the, hey, who are you? And like, what do we where do we go when we die? Certain thing. Oh, they just skip to the E. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Doesn't it doesn't work? No. It, yeah. yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't work. But yeah, I I I'd love, and I think we should reach out more. Um, to agree with you there, we should we should reach out more. We should have those conversations with everybody, like with everybody, everybody we meet. You know, um, there's just those certain people that will not will not talk to people, will not mm-hmm. converse, not want you to know their lives. And maybe we're, we're like, hey, I go to this church. We do a live stream. Mm-hmm. Here's this. And nothing more. Well, you I know? feel like if, if that is what this new generation needs then, then the church is catastrophically failing. Because... I would say how many churches are putting stuff on the internet? And I've heard you say before, it's like, why can't we have Jesus on the internet? Yeah, I agree. That's a very good point. But when there's like a billion hours of video uploaded onto YouTube every day or something, like some astronomical number, it's like, man, how, how, how do you compete against that? How much of the internet do you think is pro-Jesus? Throw out a number. I don't know. Maybe 15%. Okay. I say 15. It's less of a percent than there is porn on the internet. It's less of a percent than there is <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now, how much <laughs> How much anti-Jesus do you think there is on the internet? Probably more yeah, than You mean explicitly Jesus. or just 
sometimes you, you got oh, this passive aggressive no. type stuff that's out there that uh, hmm. that just goes against yes. the the norms that you would I would associate. say specifically let's say anti Jesus anti Jesus anti church anti Christian how about that it's got to be more than there is pro Jesus I, I think right? it is and it's probably a lot of people who have been hurt by the church or mm-hmm. ha- know people who have been hurt by the church yeah I um, have a lot of Facebook friends from high school from college from even before that I've been in Christian schooling and in churches my whole life, and there it is way more anti-church, anti-Jesus mm-hmm. posts on my feed than there are pro. Mm-hmm. And my Facebook friends should all be Jesus people in some magnitude, right? So that, that probably tells you um, that there's a lot of it. Well, how do you attack that in 140 characters? You don't. <laughs> right, so... That's I, rough. I, I think it's... It's hard to go attack um, a Facebook post against Jesus because that's an outcry. Like, hey, I hate Jesus already, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I think the way you attack that is um, the same way you attack it in in real life, right? Uh, at work, and I hear this all the time. People should know you're a Christian, and so I try and make sure that my Facebook feed or my Instagram feed also shows that I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. right? And that I believe in those views and those views aren't awful. <laughs> like some people think, right? Um, th- there's a lot that I've seen in the last day about how Christians uh, hate women because the, the abortion laws that are going in, in Texas, oh, right? Texas, yeah. right? So, so there's been a lot of that today and yesterday specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I go post on my feed, I'm not going to probably post about that. I'm going to post about how something good a Christian did or the mm-hmm. fact that Chick-fil-A actually donates a lot to like these AIDS prioritizing charities and things like that. Right. So even though it, somebody may say, well, Chick-fil-A doesn't hate gays. They're just against it. Right. Maybe we post that Chick-fil-A is donating to an AIDS charity. Yeah. Right. And so go show that you're a Christian Unfortunately, social media is not a place to fight about it because it just doesn't. The people who go post there have made up their mind and attacking that comment is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Same thing about you get a somebody texts you something and you don't. There's no tone in the voice. There's no. Yeah. You you don't understand the context. So you're not going to. To your point, I totally agree. You're not going to convince people by arguing over tweets or over Facebook posts, what you can do possibly similar to what you said, how, how to do it is be positive. You know, what, you know, can, can we make like, positive videos that right. we could put out there or even using TikTok? I mean, right. there is a lot I of that. condone that, but the, the can right, you see a Christian a uh, uh, video or clip or something going viral though have you ever Tim seen a Christian Tim Tebow goes viral every time he talks and he is a pastor hmm. like he preaches okay good point yeah he I think he's getting millions of clicks on those videos I, mean, I don't know how you guys feel about the Robertsons but they I mean I, I got I don't know I used to are. watch their show I don't <laughs> I mean, yeah, from I mean from their show, but like if you actually like listen to their podcasts and actually like hear. Oh no, are they Duck Dynasty? Yeah, they are. Oh no. Yeah, if you hate those people, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like <laughs> I just like the old guy that was always missing half his beard because <laughs> it kept getting like caught in a slide of a of a <laughs> shotgun or something uncle, uh, every uncle, time. Yeah, I mean, dude, uncle, I like, uncle, uncle, size. Uh, the, the I watched half of one episode and I went, I don't think this show's for me. It's because like, it's too close it to was your too life. Too close to bullhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. No, but I mean, they're like, they're they're rich, but like. If you know them separate from their TV show, because they'll even say the TV show is not us. It was never us. You know, they do that for a living, of course, but it's not, it's not us. And 
like listening to their podcast it's a lot it's a lot like like ours you know they do read scripture from time to time but you know um they are genuine christians and they want people they want people to know that and to have that out there you know and maybe maybe it's their fame and stuff like that but a non a non-believer will watch that stuff and maybe get something out of it you know sometimes it's just putting stuff out there you know not arguing not trying to make a point not doing anything like that just be like here it is lay it out on the table take do you it think or leave that it. that was the radio was the equivalent to the internet beforehand as far as spreading the gospel like in a mass media like that because they would just play christian radio and i don't mean the songs i mean like the sermons just one after another after another you know what i mean it would just be a 30 minute sermon 24 hours a day yeah. do you think that that was kind of like the equivalent though because you could always just tune in and i think i think 100 100 percent and there's a lot of people that do listen to to s- those sermons you know billy graham great great example great example there there's a lot of people that that came to christianity because of that dude mm-hmm. you know um and he just put it out there not trying to make a statement anything like that it's like here you know and you know y- you might not like his preaching style or anything like that but you know that that dude did a lot for the faith mm-hmm. you know even you know, joel olstein you know Ooh, gonna bring up that dude. Said it. Are we allowed to say that? He's he's his name? Said it. Hey, so so I I have a thought. Hit me on, on Joel Osteen there. If Billy keep Graham it, was PG. if Billy Graham was doing <laughs> his thing right now, would he be Joel Osteen? Elaborate. So Billy so, Graham. So we look back on now. on the good things Billy Graham did. Mm-hmm. Right, brought a lot of people to faith. Recognized mm-hmm. by. Um, by presidents, right, as, mm-hmm. like, America's pastor, right? Mm-hmm. I think Joel Osteen is in that boat. So so not knowing enough about Billy Graham and not having the inside look at his home and his life and things like we do on Joel Osteen, could Billy Graham be the, the super rich, overloaded guy just of his time period who's preaching the gospel and just being used to do that? I think with the abundance of information that is available now on the internet that if that were the case we would have heard about it because we would have there would have been an uproar when people started talking about how great a man he was and they would be oh no he wasn't look at this he he had the, this many servants or he had, not that he had servants I don't know if he did but I th- think we would have known about that if it were the case non-christians don't look at billy graham and see anything and christians revere him to the point where we're not going to find anything so y- you may have a problem where nobody's looking <laughs> yeah I, yeah i i i mean i think this is blasphemy <laughs> how dare you okay no so so right i no i see i see what you're saying i see what you're saying nick but you know, even but I my my point. I have no Id- I have no viewpoint on that. Let me throw no, that out but there. Yeah, it I've been matter. blindsided twice, so I, <laughs> so I, I come from a why viewpoint not a third? Of, of ignorance. <laughs> but to be honest, I I think that especially the the dis- disillusioned people that are out there that hate Christians because of what has happened to them or something. Mm-hmm. Somebody said something. They would, somebody they would posted something yeah. that they would be the first ones to spread something like that. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying you put the name of Jesus out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no mat no matter what. And it's for the believer, the individual, him or herself, to figure out this dude's speaking crap or this is legit. That's what we I mean, that's what we did with, with Joe, you know, I church taught for a really long time and every single pastor I was like eh, maybe not hmm. you know and Joe is like where did you get the discernment to be looking for a good to pass uh, a good pastor 
like because a lot of people don't well, just have discernment to to be like you, you know it's after a long time and you'll get to the point in your life growing up a christian going up to growing up in a mega church mm, okay. to figure to figure it out you know growing up like as a kid you'll listen to anything and everything you know and then once you hit the age where you're like do and every christian should have this point in their life is this stuff legit or not you know that's when you truly have to seek that and seek a good shepherd Mm -hmm. um do you think that that could push people the other way though to be like, well, this is all fluff. I needed this, and or I, I felt there was something wrong with my life. I needed correction, guidance, direction, whatever. And I'm not gonna get it here, so I'm out. And they and they don't go looking for a a good pastor or that. Yeah, because I I mean I've seen it, I've seen it in my in my life with other people, mm-hmm. like but that's all they that's all they know and then unlike me they said i'm just gonna ditch every i'm just gonna ditch everything mm-hmm. everything that i've been taught everything you know i'm just gonna t- ditch christianity altogether for me it was i'm seeking a deeper relationship mm-hmm. and what i'm getting on sundays isn't isn't doing it for me mm-hmm. i did need a community the church that I was going to was very, let's get as many people in the door as possible. Mm-hmm. Altar calls every single Sunday. And they they preached like nobody knew who Jesus was okay. or what the Bible said, you know. And I needed a church that viewed its sheep as a congregation that knew Christ okay. already and wanted to remind us of certain stuff or bolster us. I say, I, I say feed us meat, mm-hmm. you know, that we need meat. We don't need fluff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we need that protein, you know? Gotcha. Um, but yeah, everybody, everybody's life is different. For me, it was, it was that um, leaving, leaving a church and, you know, it's actually really, it's actually really funny today. Um, the pastor that actually started um, came into the store today. He's, he actually started a new church um, because the views of didn't really match his. And, you know, that got me thinking a little bit because that's a church I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, hmm. you know. Okay. It's a church I'm looking at, and I'm like, but the pastor that started that church wanted to leave the church or left like legit left the church um for that purpose i'm like is that the church for me or not okay but you know that's that's all i got i mean that's all i got there but that's all i got to say about that no but what i was gonna say is so i saw a lot of like with youth ministry we would have kids that like go to little juvie or jail or whatever you know and then like so they come out and they like had some type of understanding of Jesus and God like in juvie but when they come out it was like they looked at God as if he was a vending machine you know what i'm saying like they would just go to it and be like well god i need this i need that and when they don't get it it was like they just well this is crap too my life is crap god's crap and they just walk away so i guess i was just trying to say like could it be the same when you have a pastor who is preaching the, the a watered down gospel yeah. to where you're looking for something, you're looking for the truth yeah. and then you show up in a church that's watered down and you're like, well, this isn't for me either. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Dennis or Nick has any, anything to say about that, but um, yeah, like a hundred, a hundred percent things are watered down. Like you don't, you don't want it. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not, if it doesn't sustain you. You don't, you don't want, you don't want it. It's like, a, it, I mean, it's a, it's like a weak coach. 
you know, yo, we're we're o we're o and three. We started the season o and three, and you ain't you ain't changing stuff. We're not improving at all. We're doing the same drills every single day, every single day, you know, and nothing nothing's really improving. Like, I know how to play football, but what are you doing? What are you doing to to coach me? You know, to get better, to improve, to win football games. You know what? What are you doing? What are you doing there? And it's like, oh no, let's let's do college football. No, I'm just looking for new recruits. To, I don't care about the vets on the team. Mm. You know, I'm just looking at the new recruits, the new draftees. I'm just fo- I'm more focused on them than anything. You know, because I want them to know our system, our you know, our you know, all of that. But. The vets that have been there, they also need a little coaching from time to time, mm. you know, right. and and that's the point. If anything's wa- if anything's watered down, if you're coaching poorly, leading poorly, nobody nobody's gonna want nobody's gonna want that. And young young people, surprisingly enough, can can see through you. Most of them see through you. You know, you've worked in youth ministry. You know, mm-hmm. if those youth thought you were fake it'll be blood in the water exactly yeah exactly and i know your character and i know so who you i are, remember i got attacked by a kid who it he he brought up it was like islam and everything and my only thing was hey bro like you need to stop judging them and worry about yourself it's like look god works on them or or god will condemn them or maybe God doesn't condemn them because they accept Jesus in the future or what, like, I don't know what's in store for them. Like you need to focus on yourself. Like, and I would say this kid is a very, uh, like a Pharisee, a very letter of the law and everything, you know? And it was like, nah, dude, like you, you need to, it's like the, <laughs> the old, Hey man, don't worry about the speck in his eye because you got a big old log hanging out your face, bro. You know what I mean? And, like, I was trying to go with that, and he's like, are you not saying that God sends, um, like, Islam, uh, Islamists to, to hell, and you're saying that they could be in heaven with us? And you got me. And it's like, bro, like, why? Like, where are you coming at me with this? You know what I mean? But it, it was just odd because, like, it was, no. No, I didn't say that, but you thought that I said that and it was a confrontational fight argument everything when you're like dude you like you're doing dumb stuff and getting drunk and and partying and you're (laughs) and you're worried about you're worried about the the Islam worshiper down the street that is like that it's a good father (laughs) A good husband he works he he's raising his family and what he thinks is right and like bro pump the brakes you know but yeah i think the last thing i'll say is that this new generation takes everything wrong <laughs> 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 i can i can say that wow just from experience yeah. so what do you think about our generation here uh dennis because <laughs> apparently we just bash on the younger generation you can just bash on us and say whatever you want well what oh <laughs> To, to reel it back a little bit, I don't know if I don't know if Nick wanted to say anything on oh. on that topic or I mean Dennis, yes, if you had anything. So I guess I'll just throw in a couple comments. Um, I think there's a role. This is going a little bit further back in the conversation with the large church with fluff and the, and the small church that is breeding stronger believers, right? I think it's our job as Christians and followers of God to plant seeds and to water the plants. It is not our job to perform photosynthesis and grow trees, right? Um, it's also not our job to, to grow the fruits on those trees. I, I think it, I really do think it's our job to plant the seed, which is where those large churches come into play, or even the campus preachers who say, hey, where are you going when you die? It's to plant that seed. That's all it is, right? And then maybe somebody else will come along and water that seed, and someone else will, and eventually that hard husk could fall off and that seed could start to sprout, and that's when God takes over and starts to grow a plant, right? Uh, and, and so I think the big church and the, the Billy Grahams, the Joel Osteens, 
Um, even the the Johnny Cash, right? He did a lot of that. He planted seeds everywhere, right? And, and he actually watered those seeds for a few people too. But realistically, it was him saying, hey, I'm a Christian and he liked my music. And he just threw seeds out into the field. And guess what? Some of those probably stuck pretty well um, and grew because somebody else walked by and watered them. And so um, that, that's just kind of my thought. Like, I think the big church has to exist for that reason. Somebody's got to plant those seeds. And, and that's the fastest way to do it, right, is if you get 2,000 people in a building and say, this is God and this is what he can do for you. Because the chance of them just completely removing that from their head is pretty small. Like, it's always going to be there, right? God didn't make his message something that's easily forgotten. And so I think I think that's why that exists. And, and then I really um, think after that, right, you got to go find the church that waters that plant afterwards, right? Uh, and, and so that's, that's why I think us as believers have a hard time with our church uh, closing or leave, losing a pastor because you found a church that said, all right, I'm going to water these plants and you're just going to start growing a bunch of fruit, right? And I don't think all of us had that. I don't think we were all growing fruit. Maybe we had a, a nice tree grown in the backyard, but I don't think we had like some nice oranges or apples on that until until we really found a church that was, all right, let's develop this, right? Let's let's get that going. And so yeah, that's exa- uh, it's exactly, exactly my point. I think mega churches are really, are really good, especially, well, I'll tell you, I'll take this thought back, but especially for those that go to East, like Easter Sunday, Christmas, all those, you know, religious holidays and stuff like that. There's a reason people go back every year to Easter and Christmas. It's because that seed was planted and it needs to be watered. And even if you're just going to go, there's something in you that says, I should go to Easter service, right? Yeah. As much as, you know, I bash on (laughs) mega, (laughs) mega churches. (laughs) Me too they're a good they're a good like plant plant yeah. like plant they're a good planter yeah. and it's up to the believers growing in their faith to realize hey I'm this is this is okay it's it's like going from like planet fitness to platinum fitness not quite golds but not not quite golds <laughs> that's a, that's the next step <laughs> but it's like yeah i've graduated from this and I need something I need something more you know Dennis I got nothing alright I, I gotta wrap I up I think it's in time to go yep. closing thoughts anybody mm-hmm. um, let me look at my notes here so obviously we hit on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about our church closing. Yep. We talked about different sizes of a church. Yep. Right, things like that and the purposes of those. Um, i trying to think where I'm going for that. I had something in my head, but it's gone now. All right, I'll come back to it later. All right. Anything, Anything closed? No? no? All right, fine. I'll apologize. I did listen to... Kanye's West's uh, album "Jesus Is King." Where we at? It's pretty good. Chick Fil A. Nah, I hate that song. <laughs> all right, that's called uh, "Closed on Sunday." It's track three. It's awful. All right, but it's a pretty good album. And I did not know. Old oh boy won a Grammy for that album. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Y- you know I what? Didn't know you know that. what Kanye West did? What's he planted that? a lot of uh, seeds. <laughs> people who will never have opened a bible yes sir that's probably very true. never yes yeah. sir the people who listened to kanye west cared more about how big kim kardashian's butt was than jesus right and now they so i will they want to go to chick-fil-a to his newest album did uh, it finally release it was like four months yeah. late yeah yeah <laughs> um i don't think it's getting great reviews he cut, he cut whatever, out shoulder but shoulder boy shoulder boy whatever a rapper? Yeah. The he, rapper? He, yeah, like, he, he cut him out. How do you Ooh, cut out there's going to be some that. beef, bro. Dude, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, so you guys now have to go listen to Lecrae. 
the I only listen, other I, Christian rapper Grammy Award winning. I do listen yeah. to bro. We've Lecrae. all listened to Lecrae. Where you been, dude? Like, yeah, bro. Wait, are you okay What's your favorite album? To What's your favorite album? Because he's what? Not Eminem's color. <laughs> Yo, I'm I'm more. Eminem's a, a good rapper. I'm more. <laughs> he's a bad person. I'm more, but he's a good rapper. I'm a I'm a I'm more of a manifest guy. Nobody I don't know who that is. That's a no, that's a Christian white rapper. You you probably love that dude. Christian music sucks. It All does. Right. That's for that's for another podcast. I think me and <laughs> me and you need to like dive deeper into that. All right. So, thank you. Kanye is now a Christian. <laughs> the end. Anything else? Really? Any f- closing thoughts? I'm about to hit record. I'm about to hit it. End it. Thanks for letting me join tonight. <laughs> ah, you'll be Dennis, here next you're an week. awesome person. Yeah.